0: New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash snapped or text SNAP to 500-500. That's audible.com slash snapped or text SNAP to 500-500.
1: This episode is brought to you in part by June's Journey. Picture it, the glamour of the roaring 20s wrapped in a mystery that only you can solve.
0: Hi, Snap listeners. We are bringing you a special bonus episode today from Oxygen's hit series, Killer Couples. You can also watch full episodes live or on demand on the free Oxygen app or on Peacock by clicking the link in our
2: description.
3: Enjoy. They were a loving couple trying to make it in America's heartland.
2: They both had kind of had a hard life and together they were able to make each other stronger. They were in love and they did have future plans to get married
3: but their dreams are cut short by a horrific tragedy
4: they've been shot multiple times there was large amounts of blood
3: the scene was a slaughterhouse the investigation will force police to revisit atrocities from the past Southern Illinois
5: was one of the locations for the railroad killer. The community instantly
3: was on alert. The search for a suspect will lead detectives on a cross-country manhunt and reveal a darker truth, one culminating in the greatest act of betrayal from a friend in need. She has nobody and
6: I really didn't have anybody. We just didn't wanna lose each other, so we were gonna do whatever it took.
4: Their plan was that they were going to be together in eternity.
2: These two young people's lives were thrown away for what? Nothing. Four people basically died that day. I feel so terrible for what happened. I know I should have stopped it. I should have done so many other things.
3: West Frankfort, Illinois is a quiet town where residents value their slower pace of life.
5: West Frankfort is a small, tight-knit, charming community, the sort of place you'd wanna raise a family.
6: It used to be a big coal mining area. Most people know each other there.
3: But on October 19th, 2009, the town's laid-back and friendly veneer is shattered when West Frankfurt 911 dispatchers receive a panicked call from a family member of 32-year-old local resident Terry Seebeck.
4: Terry's aunt called to report that she had spoken with Terry on the evening of the 18th and was unable to get in contact with her on the 19th. She had learned from terry's employer that she did not show up for work that day
3: terry's aunt tells dispatchers that terry's live-in girlfriend 28-year-old candace majors isn't responding to phone calls either candace
5: and terry are living in terry's aunt's property so when they don't respond to her phone calls she grabs a spare key and heads to the house to see what was going on
4: When she approached the house, she noticed there was blood on the storm door.
5: Then she notices that the doorknob is covered in blood.
3: And she doesn't even walk in. She just calls 911. When responding officers arrive on the scene, Terry's aunt gives them the key. When they try to enter the front door, the officers immediately encounter resistance.
4: As I pushed the door open, approximately five, six inches, toes came beneath the door, and you can see the blood on them. I was able to push the door open a little further to where I could squeeze my upper torso in and look, and I could see full body laid out perpendicular to the front door.
5: The scene was a
7: slaughterhouse officer observed a female body that obviously had been shot multiple times some four to five times at least
3: as police step into the room they quickly realize there's a second female victim
4: she was crumpled between the couch and the coffee table of the residence there was large amounts of blood in the carpeting and on the coffee table itself
3: Police identify the victims as Terry Seebeck and Candace Majors.
4: And we knew who resided there and who to expect to be inside of that house. Terry's aunt was on scene as we came out of the residence and I think she saw it in my face when I came out.
3: As homicide detectives are called in, questions remain. Who killed this seemingly loving couple and why? Since 2007, Terry Seebeck and Candace Majors had been supporting one another, both in life and in love. Both single mothers, the women had faced adversity growing up in small-town Illinois and had bonded over staying sober for nearly a decade.
2: Candace was a ball of life. She was a very bright, intelligent girl. Candace had a beautiful smile that lit up the room when she walked in. She has so many positive things going for her, but she got into meth really bad for a while. She would go out and start partying and go on binges for three or four days. She would keep a
8: job, lose a job, get another job, kind of just like dead-end jobs. Just really
3: wasn't going anywhere in her life with it. After losing custody of her two children, Candace knew she needed to make a change. That's when she met Terry Seebeck.
8: Terry was older and wanting to get her life together. At that point, she was fighting to get custody back of these children that she had lost. She was just kind of down and out, needing needing help, and didn't really have anybody because most of her family has passed away or not around.
3: When Candace and Terry were introduced by mutual friends, they found a kindred spirit in one another.
8: I think they needed each other just because they both had issues with like past drugs, addictions, trauma. They both wanted to get on a better path and do
2: good for their kids and get that love back that they lost. They both had kind of had a hard life and I think they found a mutual bond with each other. Together, they were able to make each other stronger They 100% like held each
8: other accountable to always stay clean at that point. So at the beginning of 2007, they became really close, like right after that and moved in together.
2: Terry started the job painting with her father. Candace had gotten herself enrolled in school to be a radiologist. She had had a job previously working in a nursing home. And she found that she loved that and that the residents of the home loved Candace. And that kind of inspired her to wanna to do something in some type of healthcare or to help people. Candace and
8: Terry had talked to me on many occasions about you know, how much in love they were, and they did have future plans to get married.
3: But now the couple has been found shot to death inside their home, and West Frankfurt homicide detectives must determine what happened. There is two women, one of which is
5: laying face down right by the front door, Um, multiple gunshot wounds to both of the women's head and torso. Terry was shot through her left eye. There were shell casings all over the
4: place. We knew with the gun that we were looking for a 22 auto or semi-auto pistol because of the way that the brass was ejected into the residence of the house after firing.
3: Detectives are unable to find a gun in the house, ruling out the theory that it may have been a murder-suicide.
4: The blood on the front door, on the storm door, on the inside of the exterior door, When you see that, there was a struggle. Somebody was fighting to get in or get out. It wasn't a case of somebody sat down and committed suicide. I've worked
6: multiple homicide cases, but the injuries to Candace and Terry are the worst that I've ever seen.
3: Coming up... Clues from the crime scene point police toward a serial killer from the past. There had
5: been a railroad killer that terrorized the area, jumping from rail car to rail car
3: and murdering people. And the search for the truth will expose conflict within the victim's home. He did become kind of obsessed
9: with her. It was, I will do anything for this person for them to
3: love me. in west frankfort illinois police have discovered the bullet riddled bodies of 32 year old terry seebeck and her girlfriend 28 year old candace majors as they process the crime scene detectives try to figure out what the killer's motive might have been
4: They so began looking around to see if somebody might have gone in to rob them of valuables or Drugs. if they would have had those in their possession. We had to cover every angle of who might have done this and why.
5: There were signs of robbery. Both of the victims'
3: credit cards and IDs were missing. According to Terry's aunt, Terry's gold Chevrolet Impala is also missing from the driveway.
4: At this point, our biggest piece of evidence that we're missing would be the vehicle, and it's either gonna contain items of evidentiary value or contain the killers. And so that was our primary focus was to find that vehicle. I instructed one of my investigators to start contacting gas stations, starting with the ones that would have been open in the late hours. If Terry's car was not full of gas and they were planning on fleeing the area and they needed fuel, let's check and see if they did.
3: While police track down surveillance footage, detectives dig deeper into the crime scene and find problems with the robbery theory.
4: The house didn't seem to be ransacked. It didn't look like people had really torn it completely apart like they were searching for a specific item or items of value.
5: There was a stack of cash in the other room that was seemingly untouched. And there was some expensive jewelry that was left alone as well. There were no signs of forced entry into this home, which led investigators to believe that Candace and Terry let them in.
3: Detectives conclude that Candace and Terry likely knew the killer. The evidence of overkill suggests a deeply personal crime. They
4: have been shot multiple times and we even found some live rounds knowing that they must have had a jam with the gun and had to clear that and reload.
3: With no clear evidence pointing to who killed Candace and Terry or why, detectives contact their families and break the devastating news.
2: I thought everything was going great, they both were working. You know, the car they had bought was, you know, a nice car. They were paying their bills. They were going to school. You know, they were living the typical normal life. So it was very much a shock. I thought maybe drugs, because whenever you deal with certain people and drugs and things like that, you know, things can go bad. Anytime
5: you're involved in illegal drug activity, you're gonna have some shady connections. So I think that's where most people's minds went to first, is that maybe this was a drug deal gone wrong. Maybe someone was getting revenge
8: from something a long time ago, or it was like something they owed money to, and it was finally coming back back to them. And unfortunately, I that's a, the first thing I thought would happen.
3: Police immediately begin canvassing the couple's neighborhood in the hopes someone may have noticed suspicious activity.
4: We started with neighbors to see what they had seen in the area. And we find out a little bit of information on Candace and Terry's residence.
3: While no one can offer any concrete information to support the drug theory, detectives do find a witness who offers a chilling tip.
4: One of the neighbors had seen a male subject in the area of the residence of Terry and Candace's house on the railroad tracks early in the morning on the 19th.
3: The tip sounds eerily familiar to reports that law enforcement had received several years earlier.
5: Southern Illinois was one of the locations for the railroad killer the man who jumped from rail car to rail car and popped into communities and created heinous scenes like this. I remember being a child and being at home and being absolutely terrified that the railroad killer was going to come to my home.
3: Authorities know that the infamous railroad killer had died three years earlier by lethal injection. Police must now figure out, are they dealing with a serial killer copycat? I think that that might
5: have been a concern for many people. Was this another railroad killer? The community instantly was on alert.
4: The citizens are wondering, are they still in our town?
5: The whole community was shaken, wondering who could have done something like this, because something like this couldn't be done by anyone in this community,
2: right?
4: We put a description of that subject out over the radio. Citizens listening to the scanner in town found a subject towards the south end of our city that matched that description. Officers were dispatched to the area.
3: When police locate the man, he appears confused by the claims. With no solid alibi, however, police bring him in for questioning. The man claims he was only out for a nightly stroll, and he had nothing to do with the murders of Candace Majors and Terry Seebeck.
4: It was just some guy that was on the tracks. He was ultimately ruled out as having any involvement in this crime.
3: As detectives continue digging into the couple's lives for clues, their friends offer police their first real lead.
4: They told us that Terry and Candace had a couple that they had allowed to stay with them because they had fallen on hard times and needed a place to stay, and they had been residing with them for a couple months.
3: Friends identify the couple as 19-year-old Afton Ferris and 29-year-old Michael Shallert
4: We didn't find anything in the residence at the initial search, you know, to state who they were, you know, because their belongings were gone, which was concerning.
3: But friends reveal that Afton and Michael had moved out of Candace and Terry's house on October 18th. After conflict had developed between the two couples.
7: Afton and Michael Shallert had been accused of stealing from Terry Seaback and Candace Majors, and then they were asked to leave.
3: As police put out an APB for Afton Ferris and Michael Shallert, a witness comes forward to report another crime.
4: We had a subject that came forward and contacted the police department to say that Mike and Afton had been at his residence on the evening of the 18th. They had left after he had gone to sleep. And when he awoke, he realized that a 22 pistol was missing from his house.
3: Detectives realize it's the same caliber of weapon that was used in the murders of Candace and Terry.
4: And then when we learned that the gun was missing from there, and Michael and I had been there the night before the murders, I wasn't wasting any more resources, you know, looking anywhere else.
3: Coming up, police face a race against the clock to track down their suspects before it's too late.
4: The vehicle left the gas station headed towards the interstate, so we were certain that they had fled our jurisdiction.
0: Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit SimplySafe.com slash Snapped. That's simplysafe.com slash snapped. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
1: This episode is brought to you by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now, wherever books are sold.
3: Less than 24 hours into their investigation, police in West Frankfurt, Illinois, are searching for 29-year-old Michael Schallert and 19-year-old Afton Ferris in connection with the murders of their friends and former roommates, Terry Sebeck and Candace Majors.
4: We had learned Afton's driver's license was issued out of the state of Wyoming and Michael at ties out Colorado, Wyoming also. So we kind of suspected that that would be a familiar place for them that they would be fleeing to.
3: Detectives tracked down Michael's family in Cheyenne, Wyoming, but they say they haven't heard from him. When detectives asked the family about Michael's connection to Terry and Candace, they learned Michael had been close friends with Terry for years.
5: Friends had a hard time believing that Michael was capable of doing anything violent, especially to Terry and Candace. Michael is a kind and caring person.
9: He has always been the type to give, you know, the shirt off his back
5: for somebody else. Michael Schallert is from a good family. He's the oldest of two children, born in 1979. His friends describe him as kind-hearted and compassionate and a good guy who just happens to fall in love really easily he had his first kid when he was
9: 15 years old that in and of itself kind of had a huge impact on the trajectory of his life he was barely able to have a work permit let alone have to raise a child.
3: Detectives learned that over the years, Michael had wandered state to state, searching for stability.
7: He was something of a drifter, someone who could not hold down a job, someone who was looking for someone to take care of him in an emotional sense.
3: When he landed in West Frankfort, Illinois, he had quickly struck up a friendship with Terry Seebeck, who offered him a place to stay.
8: She said she was trying to help get him back on his feet. They were together, like, every day hanging out, doing all the normal stuff that you know best friends do. He seemed to be making a life, and he seemed to be doing really, really good.
9: And then he came back to Cheyenne.
3: After returning home to Wyoming in 2008, Michael met 18-year-old Afton Ferris. Like Michael, Afton had been searching for a place to call home.
5: Afton Ferris grew up in the foster system. She was in and out of homes. She ran away multiple times. Despite all odds, at the age of 18, she became valid Victorian of her high school class. But unfortunately after she graduated she was unable to keep a steady job and was unable to keep a home Michael met Afton when
9: she was homeless she had been kind of going to bars
5: and stuff Michael found out that she was homeless and couch surfing and he immediately offers to take her in and that's how the two start their romance
7: Shallert was incredibly nurturing towards Afton Ferris. He displayed what appeared to be very sincere motives on his part.
9: He did become kind of obsessed, you know, with Afton. It wasn't necessarily an obsession, like a crazy obsession. It was, I will do anything for this person for them to love me. When Michael asked me if him and Afton could stay at my house, I told him no. I had just had had a kid, and he was not even a year old yet. I'm not going to
5: allow some girl that I didn't even know to stay in my house. An angered Michael decides to move to West Frankfurt, where he had been happy and has a strong group of friends. One of those friends happens to be Terry Seabick.
3: Terry welcomed her old friend and his new girlfriend into her and Candace Major's home.
9: They, you know, took my brother in when he needed a place to stay, and that was pretty nice of them to do that.
3: But police learned that it wasn't long before tensions erupted between the two couples.
8: About a month after they had moved in, i spoke with Terry on the phone, and she just seemed really frustrated, saying some of their things had came up missing. Small articles, um, I think it was probably like some pieces of jewelry or money. It was just small things. She told me that she, no one else had been in the house.
4: Terry and Candace believe that this couple has began stealing items from them, and that they were going to ask them to move out of their house.
5: Eventually, they packed up Afton and Michael's things and put them on the front porch and asked them to come pick them up.
8: I know how Candace is. She's hot-headed, and if she was angry because she pinpointed what they did, she would push them right out. That's just how she was. She would give you one chance, and she was done with you. And I don't. I wouldn't blame her.
3: Less than 24 hours later, Candace and Terry were found murdered. Police know they need to track down Afton and Michael immediately. Less than 48 hours into their investigation, police get a tip that Terry Seebeck's missing Chevy Impala has been spotted on a gas station security camera.
5: Gas station footage near the crime scene revealed the stolen vehicle pulling up to the pump near the interstate. And guess who happens to walk out? Michael Schaller to pump gas.
4: There was a person in the vehicle that remained in the front passenger seat of the vehicle. From her body style, it looked like it appeared to be a female.
5: While the blonde sitting in the passenger seat doesn't ever get out, she does match the description of Afton Ferris.
4: It's a valuable piece of information because the vehicle left the gas station. We could watch it as it left on the roadway headed towards the interstate, which is only like a block and a half from the interstate. Uh, So we were certain that they had fled our jurisdiction.
3: Detectives speak to gas station employees to see if they have any additional information on the couple. The clerk remembered Schallert
5: coming in the night before. They remember he was in a hurry, and he used a credit card that was in the name of Candace Majors, but actually signed his own name on the ticket.
3: Detectives subpoena records for the stolen credit cards, hoping to track the missing couple.
5: The police are able to watch Michael and Afton travel out west by the credit card transactions on one of the stolen victim's credit cards.
4: Sooner or later, they're gonna not use the card, but as long as they're using it, that's great for us.
3: On October 21st, two days after the bodies of Candace and Terry were discovered, the credit card activity stops in Larimer County, Colorado. When detectives ask Michael's family if Michael has any connections there, they catch a break.
4: The marshals and Larimer County, Colorado, had learned that Michael Shallard had a friend who resided in a trailer park in Fort Collins, Colorado. A surveillance on that residence identified a Chevy Impala, which is the type of vehicle that Terry Seebeck owned. Now that we see that the, what we're pretty certain would be the vehicle in this trailer park, uh, those departments establish a surveillance in there to make sure that Michael and Afton are at this residence. This is a kind of a complicated surveillance because you're in a tight-knit community where the same people come and go daily and they know who should be there and who shouldn't be.
5: The homes are in such close proximity to each other. It makes it really
3: hard for police to go unseen. Coming up, as authorities take their positions outside the trailer, they brace themselves for a standoff with two desperate killers willing to do anything to remain free. This is a
5: double Homicide, and they're taking no chances with these individuals who are believed to be armed and dangerous.
3: Authorities have tracked suspected killers, Michael Shallard and Afton Ferris, to Larimer County, Colorado. After staking out the trailer park, police visually identify their targets two days after Candace Majors and Terry Seebeck were discovered murdered.
4: The surveillance team was able to recognize Afton come out of the residence, go to Terry's vehicle along with Michael and remove items from the vehicle and place them in a trash bag. Michael then took the trash bag over and placed it in a trash receptacle outside of the trailer.
5: That's when the police orchestrate a takedown.
3: The SWAT team uses a stun grenade to temporarily disorient Michael and Afton.
4: They made their approach and took both of them into custody.
3: While Afton and Michael are transported to the local station for questioning, law enforcement conducts a search of the premises and Terry Siebeck's vehicle.
4: During the execution of the search warrant in the trash bag, they located bloody clothing that had been worn by Afton Ferris.
5: They also find the remaining stolen credit cards along with both Candace's and Terry's ID.
4: In the execution of the search warrant on the trailer, they found a black purse that was Afton's purse. And inside the purse, they found a black Ruger 22 semi-auto pistol This was the same weapon that had been reported stolen to our police department.
5: In the car, they find a handwritten poem by Afton seemingly to describe the crime and their life on the run as criminals. The poem was titled, Bullets and Wheat. They find two more handwritten letters from Afton that seem to be suicide
3: notes. Hoping for a confession, detectives decide to confront Afton first.
4: Afton, my name is Jeff Tharp. I'm the chief of police in West Frankfort, Illinois. This is Captain Mike Den, West Frankfort Police Department. I'll tell you everything, just Okay, so hang on a second. Can you at least just tell
6: me how you guys found out, found us so fast?
3: When detectives confront Afton about the murders, she immediately breaks down and explains Terry and Candace had been accusing her and Michael of theft.
6: They're like, well, we just kicked you out because we don't trust you anymore, and we just, we didn't have anywhere to go. Like, I've got no family, (laughs) we've got
4: no family. Afton told us that on the night of the 18th, they had been told by Terry and Candace that they were being kicked out of the house. They went to a friend's house, had some drinks, played cards, knew that this friend had a pistol in his house. Uh, The friend passed out. They stole the pistol from the house and the ammunition, and they left.
3: According to Afton, she and Michael walked the few miles back to Terry and Candace's house while they devised a plan to rob the women and flee. They quickly realized it wasn't that simple.
6: We
4: didn't have any other choice. Any other choice than what?
6: Doing that and
3: getting a car and leaving.
4: To go in and killing them and getting what you could and, and taking their car, that was the only option that you guys left? The only option we had.
3: Afton admits when they arrived, they convinced the women they wanted to make amends
6: and we asked it, can we come inside, you know, to apologize, and we were sitting there, and Terry was sitting next to me on the couch.
4: Just the four of you in the house yeah, right Yeah, there,
6: there's a couch right here, and Candace was sitting on this couch right here, and I was sitting next to Terry on this couch, and Michael was sitting on the chair, and they were telling us how we were stealing and stuff, and how they went through our room and found the CDs, and it was so trashed in there, Michael went in the room saying, well, I need to go <coughs> see if there's anything else, and he came back out, and Candace was bitching, he's like, you know what, mother f- and he shot her she went backwards and then he shot Terry
4: and she hit the she hit the coffee table. Afton stated that she noticed Candace was at the door and was using her cell phone to call the sheriff's department. Afton said she grabbed a hold of Candace and drug her back into the residence and Michael shot her some more.
6: Terry, she was moaning and groaning, and I told him to give me the gun, and I shot her in her left eye.
5: With both women now dead, they take the women's IDs, their credit cards, a small amount of cash, some cigarettes, and they hit the road.
3: But according to Afton, Her and Michael's dreams to ride off into the sunset together quickly faded.
5: Afton says that Michael's been an emotional mess ever since the murders, and that the plan was to just commit suicide, that they just wanted to be together, whether that was in life or in the ground. From the moment she walks into the room, she has no remorse and takes no responsibility for what was done.
6: The reason why I did this is... My life has been up, and just there's nothing for me to live for. I've got no family, I've got no friends, it's just Michael. And I, and it's just, I've got nothing to live for, you know?
3: With Afton's confession in tow, police sit down with Michael Schallert.
5: Michael's demeanor is very different from Afton's. He tells law enforcement that he never intended to kill anyone, that he just wanted to rob them.
6: I'm not the type of person to do anything like that. I've never hurt anybody in my life. We just had nowhere to go. <laughs> That's how you do if I keep going, what happened? We just walked in and... She started blaming After for stealing some CDs and, and me for a tank top shirt. And I just couldn't take it no more. And I had that gun. That... I just pulled the trigger. I don't even know how many times that it got jammed. And after... I reloaded
2: it, and she shot a couple times. Then we were
5: going to go away. Michael says he and Afton needed the money so they could be together, and that they had no other choice but to do what they did.
6: I didn't want to lose Afton, because that's all we've had. She has nobody, and I really didn't have anybody. we just didn't want to lose each other, so we were gonna do whatever it took.
5: They felt like this was their best opportunity to start a new life together.
3: Following their confessions, Michael Schallert and Afton Ferris are both charged with two counts of first-degree murder. News of their arrest stuns those who knew both couples.
8: I was sick. I was mad. I was every, every emotion you could have. Makes no sense. There was no reason for it. I mean, it was
9: surreal. It's something that, you know, you you see on TV. Like you don't you don't think that would ever happen in real life.
3: Both Michael and Afton plead not guilty hoping a trial will save them from a possible death sentence.
4: At the time when they were charged in Illinois, the killing of two people made you eligible for the death sentence.
9: Knowing that the murders were possible death penalty, it was like the moment that I knew life wasn't going to be the same.
3: Coming up. As one narrative begins to shift, prosecutors question whether justice will be served. She was trying to make it sound like she didn't want to go against what his wishes were. And Michael Schallert tells his story in an exclusive prison interview.
2: This whole thing started because I, I fell in love with somebody. They didn't deserve it. They were my friend. <laughs>
3: In West Frankfort, Illinois, Michael Shallard and Afton Ferris are awaiting trial for the double murder of their friends and former roommates, Terry Seebeck and Candace Majors. Then, in 2011, just before their trials are set to begin, the unexpected happens.
4: As they awaited trial, the state of Illinois' governor had imposed a moratorium on capital punishment.
5: Governor Pat Quinn actually makes the death penalty illegal. With the threat of the death penalty off the table, Michael tells his attorney he wants to plead guilty and avoid the trial.
4: He decided he wanted to change his plea to guilty to the two counts of first degree murder, and he did so.
9: Nobody knew that he was gonna go in there and just plead guilty. But his reasoning for doing that was so that the victim's family didn't have to go through any more than what they had already
2: been through. So, I mean, he was showing remorse, at least, like I would think human beings would. At the end
6: of the day, Michael Schallert was sentenced to life in prison.
3: In July, 2011, two years after the murders of Terry and Candace, Afton Ferris's murder trial begins.
5: The prosecution painted Afton as a cold-hearted killer. The defense tries to lay the blame completely at the feet of Michael Schaller.
3: When Afton takes the stand to testify, she paints a much different picture than the one she had described in an interrogation room. Afton says
5: that she looked on in
3: horror as Schaller killed her friends and that she originally
5: lied in her confession tape to protect the man that she loved.
2: Afton blamed everything on him. She was trying to make it sound like she didn't want to go against what his wishes were.
4: She was very stoic, no sign of much emotion at all, even when she attempted to muster some up and really couldn't.
3: The jury ultimately sides with the prosecution.
6: Afton Ferris was found guilty of both murders. She was also found guilty of armed robbery and home invasion. And she was sentenced to life in prison plus 120 years.
2: I was relieved but I was sad because these two young people's lives were thrown away for what? Nothing. Four people basically died that day.
9: If I could, you know, turn back time, 11 years, I mean, maybe I would have allowed my brother to stay in my house. Maybe it wouldn't have happened.
6: I believe that if the two of them hadn't got together, that Candace and Terry would still be alive.
2: I would want to say I am disappointed that I have not got the chance to see what Candace might have become. I guess I would want to tell Afton and Michael that I don't understand what you did. You threw your life away, but I'm not going to let that dominate my life. I have to keep going. and cherish the memories i do have
3: from his prison cell michael remembers afton 10 years later and how their all-consuming romance triggered a deadly betrayal among friends
2: this whole thing started because I, i fell in love with somebody it was like love at first sight and every day i just got more and more obsessed with her I mean, there's always going to be something in my heart for her. She was a big part of my life, you know, and that was the most intense love that I ever had. I feel so terrible for what happened. I just, I think about it every day, you know. I I accept all the responsibility for my part. They didn't deserve it. They were my friends.
7: I have missed these Friday night dinners.
1: Hey, welcome to Harvey Gros!
7: At these family dinners. Delicious, everyone! Dysfunction is served. I can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life. Oh, I'm sorry, do we embarrass you?
2: Jump, jump, jump.
7: It's already better than I dared to dream.